G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Jenny Stokes joining us. Hello, Jenny. Welcome back. Hello, Neil. Good to be back. Jenny, let's talk about some of the things that are going on in our nation, things that are shaping the way we think about things that are going on in the world. And I wanted to talk to you today about some of the things that have been written about widely, some of the things that we're obviously seeing on our television screens every night, and it has to do with uh, the issues of Islam and the way that world leaders present themselves. Because it seems to me, and I'm sure it seems to many of our listeners too, that what they're hearing world leaders say about Islam doesn't necessarily line up with what we have a deeper understanding about this particular religion. Well, well, that's right. And uh, for those who studied Islam, to actually look at the foundation of Islam by Muhammad back in the 600 AD area, um, of what actually happened, uh, the events behind that, the sort of uh, militant um, uh, process, I suppose, that Islam spread. We often hear that Islam spread at the point of the sword. And it was very much a, a conquering military process and it's important to realize for us that islam is not just a religion it's actually a whole political system and in fact i saw somebody wrote the other day that it's a political system veiled with a thin layer of religion and so there's a religious element to it but it's very much a political system and that's where we see talk of the caliphate for instance which was what muhammad had was a caliphate and the aim was to actually make the whole world islamic that was that was sort of his principle at the time now, let's talk about what the world leaders have been saying. Uh, I know you've picked up of recent times on some statements made by David Cameron. What, what has he been saying about Islam? Well, I think there were two, two things, and it's really as a response to Islamic State or the Islamic State in the Levant or in Syria and so on. They've had different names, and it's, they've shortened it uh, to Islamic State. And that's this uh, jihadi group, if you like, of... Islamic militants who have been, you know, fighting and killing others, and they've been killing others, whether that's Christians and including other Muslims who don't agree with with their uh, approach to Islam. And so, what he said was that Islamic State is not is- Islam, and and that's that's a debate that needs to be seen because Islamic State certainly thinks they are being Islamic. They are following the model of Muhammad. They are actually following Muslim principles. Um, so. It's a matter of actually carefully analysing what they do. And Mark Dury um, has done a very good job of that on his blog, uh, Dury, D-U-R-I-E. Very good articles looking at what is Islamic State, is it following the model of Muhammad, and then you know, continuing to look at the, the schools of Islamic jurisprudence that all talk about jihad as fighting. So you know, that's, that's the, the background it comes from. But then David Cameron went on to say that Islam is a religion of peace. And, and of course, you know, it denies really the, the foundation of Islam, of Muhammad's view of what actually Muhammad did. And of course, the highest calling for Muslims is to actually model the example of Muhammad in, in every way. And of course, if, if you apply that to the way that Muhammad did go about um, t- 
taking territory, capturing tribes and killing people, then, then it, it did have this military jihad element in what he did. Always a concern because I'm sure there might be people tuning into our conversation saying uh, this is the national Christian broadcaster. Why are we talking about Islam a lot? Because uh, one of the big concerns for Christians around the world and not so much on our shores here in Australia, but uh, Christians are on the receiving end of a lot of the violence that happens in Islam. So when world leaders start to talk about a religion of peace, and then they say that the Islamic State is not Islamic at all, uh, those sorts of things need to be aired and we need to unpack those a little. Well, that's, that's definitely the case. And, and, and certainly Christians are being persecuted and killed in many of these places. So it's very much on, on the hearts and minds of Christians who are praying for their, their fellow believers in these countries who are being persecuted, many of whom have had to escape with their lives and nothing else. And so we've we've seen that happening in the Middle East, in particularly in recent times. We saw the girls who were captured by Boko Haram in Nigeria. All of these are, you know, attacks on Christians because they're Christian by Islamic groups. And so we have to be aware of these things as Christians. So, again, Mark Jury has written on that. In fact, he wrote a book a couple of years ago called The Third Choice. And in Islam, um, under Muhammad's example in both the Quran and the Hadith, it actually talks about the three choices. And, and Daniel Scott mentioned these in that seminar that the Muslim groups and representatives took him to court for um, back in Victoria in the, under the racial and religious tolerance law. And these three choices are uh, convert to Islam, uh, pay a jizya or a tax, and that actually comes into the, the principle of the word dimitude. So you're acting under the rule of Islam, but you're very much subservient to that. You're paying a tax. In fact, in some cases, the Mark Jury documents this, they actually took um, Christian boys as basically the foot soldiers for Islam. And uh, he documents some of that in his book. So, And the third choice was to be killed, that if you weren't prepared to pay the, this tax and to live as dimmies, then, then the option was to be killed. And so he talks about this third choice being the dimitude choice. And, uh, and I think that's very much, you know, even though for, for many, for hundreds of years that's sort of often been downplayed, we actually have come to a point with the progression of that that there, this is what actually has been happening in, in Iraq under uh, Islamic State where they've actually been actually extracting taxes and so on as well. What do we make of the idea of so-called moderate Muslims trying to distance themselves from the Islamic State and uh, you know if we were to go through the list you know you already mentioned Boko Haram and then there's the Al-Shabaab and then there's the Taliban in Afghanistan and in Pakistan then there's Jamar Islamia uh, moderate Muslims trying to distance themselves from this expression of Islam which is obviously very violent. Uh, but there is no real ability, is there, to separate the two, moderate and extreme, except to say that uh, one is trying to calm the situation. Well, that's right. And it's often the, the call when these things happen, you know, where's the Islamic leaders actually denouncing the terrorism and so on. And so recently we had, for instance, you know, a lot of people would see that Waleed Ali, he's a radio announcer on ABC, he's uh, seen as a... Um, often by some as a, as a moderate Muslim. But he wrote an article about some of the recent attacks and he mentioned ISIL, but he actually didn't use the word Islam. He wasn't attributing that to Islam. It's like, you know, it's nothing to do with Islam is sort of the idea. And so, in fact, because of that, those responses, Andrew Bolt actually said he, that he has often long thought of Walid Ali as um, the foremost um, 
advocate, if you like, for extremist Islam. And it's like, you know, we often have this view that, you know, somebody like that is sort of would be seen in the moderate camp. And it depends on, like, when... When the uh, a few years ago, when Sheikh Halali was the mufti, and they were talking about, well, let's have a more moderate person as a mufti who will be able to actually say, look, we don't support some of these activities. And Sheikh Femi was promoted as one of those. Well, when he was pr- presented as the new mufti, um, one of the journalists actually asked him a question about a, um, a protest that had been held in the li- at the state library in Victoria the year before, and it was a pro-Hamas rally pro-Hezbollah and he actually sort of said you know long live Hezbollah the freedom fighters and it was like oh this is this is what we would have seen as a moderate Muslim leader actually supporting you know um, groups that that engage in terror in the Middle East and you know even one one more recently uh, we've got a moderate leader in Sydney who's seen as a moderate Jamal um, Rifi who's a, a GP he's been He's actually um, openly opposed the, the work of Islamic State and so on. But when he was asked, is a particular group moderate? His response was, well, it's not helpful to call them moderates or radicals. We're all, we're all Australian Muslims. And so it's an interesting sort of thing that even those who might be you know, opposing Islamic State and so on don't like this distinction between what's a moderate and what's a radical. We're all Australian Muslims. And so it's, it, we often don't get... You know, really clear statements denouncing the violence because if they actually go back to what Islam is, it's actually very difficult to do. Let's come back to those world leaders we started to talk about and why they may not be able to actually say anything because they're looking for uh, harmony within their nations. I'm talking about Barack Obama. We mentioned David Cameron, even Tony Abbott and uh, and uh, our uh, Attorney General. These guys are all saying Islam is a religion of peace and won't hear anything other than that because uh, the interests of national harmony are at risk if they don't say that. Well, that's right. And we saw this saw something very similar under John Howard where you know they set up um, groups to try and de-radicalise um, people after 9-11 and it was interesting to see that, you know, these sorts of things were done to try and sort of get the Muslim leaders on side to work with their young people to see that they had to integrate into Australia. And integration became a bit of a bad word a few years ago, but it's actually really important that people integrate into Australia and don't sort of retain, um, you know, some of the ideas that come from their, their ideologies from even where they used to live or, in this case, we see from this religious ide- ideology, which is as much political as religious. Um, so, it, it, they're, they're, it, I guess you'd say that, you know between a rock and a hard place is they have to uh, make a firm stand against Islamic State, against militancy and jihadism and so on. But they're also trying to work with the Muslim leaders to try and get them to stay on side with you know as Tony Abbott calls it being on Team Australia, because if you get them offside, things could actually be a lot worse. So they're trying to work with them to get them, you know controlling what's said in the mosques, um, not encouraging radical activity and so on. So it's actually, you know, an incredibly difficult space they're in. But, you know, I think it's important that we actually look at what is Islam really about 
and, and actually acknowledge that there are some of those problems within Islam. And of course, for ordinary Christians, our challenge is not to be afraid and not to be frightened by what potentially could be any sort of Islamic terror threat here in Australia, but actually to love those Muslim people and to reach out to them, to befriend them in many ways, because this is an important part too of of welcoming people onto our shores and, and perhaps even ensuring safety for our nation in the years to come. Well, absolutely, and certainly in our prayer update that we've put out this week, we encourage people to pray for the situation in the Middle East, but also to pray for the Christian outreach to Muslim people, that we should be making friends and and being able to to show people the hope that is within us and the hope that comes through Jesus Christ. And and it's so different from the rules and regulations that are in Islam. So we have freedom, we have grace, and that's something that we should share. And one one thing that's really encouraging, Neil, is that we've actually... I mentioned Mark Dury before. He's very... um, very forthright in what he writes. He's very gracious in what he writes on Islam, and his blog is well worth looking at. As uh, and you can see stuff material on our website as well, Salt Shakers. But he actually has an, a ministry and an outreach to Iranian people in Melbourne, and many, many tens of them have become Christians. Actually, setting up a church, working on that, being baptised, and these are former Muslims. So we can actually have a clear view on what Islam is about, but actually offer the freedom and hope. And actually, um, and there's a number of churches in Melbourne seeing responses with Iranian refugees coming to Christ um, because they see that Christianity offers hope. And that's, that's a really encouraging story. Uh, well, Jenny, always good getting your insights. I'll point people to simply Google Salt Shakers and uh, see your latest articles. And, of course, people who do subscribe at Salt Shakers, they'll also get a prayer update from time to time as well. Jenny, always good talking. Thanks so much for being with us today on 2020. Thank you very much. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.